the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. I'm teaching these young people, uh, let's say, how to pray. Is this right in my life? I'm telling them they need to confess their sin. Am I doing that, Lord? Father, I see something in my life that's not right. Would you help me in this area? Or you're teaching about the, the role of a husband and wife. A husband and wife. And are you obeying that yourself? You see, this is the type of thing. You're not just teaching the truth. You're not just concerned about accuracy in your doctrine. You are concerned about accuracy in your own life. I once heard about a rather pompous church deacon who was teaching a class of young boys. The man wanted to impress upon the boys the importance of living the Christian life. So he asked the group, why do you suppose people call me a Christian? Well, there was an uncomfortable pause, and then one boy volunteered, um, because they don't know you? <laughs> Ouch. If we're going to be good servants of God, our message has to be accurate, and our lives have to match our message. That's our topic today on Verse by Verse, as Pastor Steve Kreloff concludes his series of lessons about the marks of a good servant, found in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. You know, diversion can be a very useful military tactic. The Allies used diversions to great effect in World War II, often fooling the enemy into moving their forces out of positions that had been advantageous to them and into positions that were beneficial to us. You know, sadly, though, Satan is pretty good at using that technique as well, as he tries to divert us from the truths of Scripture or the alignment of our lives with it. So we need to be careful to check ourselves frequently to make sure that we're still on course. Paul told Timothy, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. Grab your Bible now if you can. Here's Pastor Steve with our lesson for today. Every once in a while, someone will come up to me and say, you know, you're improving. I'm never quite sure how to take that. I, you know, that's, a, that's an interesting statement. But I think it's good. I think it's good. I think it's a good statement because... I don't know how bad I was before, but at least it's obvious that I'm making some progress. I may not be good, but at least I'm not as bad as I used to be. See, there is a progressiveness to this whole area, and we need to understand that because we're all human. And while we don't lower the standard, we understand that realistically we are moving in the right direction. If you've just started to lead in the church, if you've just started... To, to really be involved in ministry, if you've just started to have the wonderful thrill of God expanding your ministry and using you, don't get sidetracked. That's the point here. Do not get sidetracked. Give yourself over to teaching whoever you teach and living out a godly life before them. I have seen men involved in ministry, whether it's full-time or they're not on, on staff, who started off well and they, were, and they looked great and they were serving and they were teaching and they were living and something got them sidetracked, whether it be money, friends, 
or outside interests. Something got them sidetracked, and Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, you be absorbed with these things. You be wrapped up in them. It's in the Old Testament. The Old Testament language is this. Don't look to the left and look to the right. I was just reading today in the Old Testament about uh, one of the men who was uh, chasing uh, Abner, one of uh, David's men who was just chasing Abner. Apparently, the Bible says he could run like a gazelle, and he was fast. And Abner, who was the general under Saul, uh, turned back and, and said, why don't you look to the left and look to the right? In other words, get sidetracked. Go after somebody else. And he said, no, I don't look to the left. I don't look to the right. I'm going forward. I think that's the thought here. That's the imagery. Don't get sidetracked. Take these things, meditate on these things, review 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I need this over and over and over again so you remind yourself of what it's all about. Be wrapped up in it. Be absorbed in these things. Take pains with these things. One final mark of a servant, and once again, this is sort of a summary statement. Constantly examine your life and your teaching. Verse 16, the beginning says this, Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. In other words, watch your life and watch your teaching. And this is what the whole section of Scripture, as I said a few moments ago, boils down to. Make sure you watch what you are and make sure you watch what you teach others. I mean, if you're going to sum up 1 Timothy 4, that's what it is. Take heed to yourself and take heed to what you teach. Make sure that your character and your creed are what God wants them to be. Paul said this same statement, by the way, very similar statement, in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Interestingly enough, who did he say it to but to the elders of this church, who obviously didn't follow through with what Paul had said. So this is not new for the church at Ephesus. But Paul said in Acts 20, 28, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he's purchased with his own blood. Be on guard for yourselves and then be on guard for the flock. Make sure your life is in order and make sure that what you are doing in terms of shepherding, and he, and he means here, I'm sure, at least the heart of it is teaching the flock. Make sure that that's in order as well. You don't need to turn there, but in Ezra 7.10, there's an excellent illustration of that great Old Testament man, Ezra. The Bible says this, For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of God and to practice it, and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. Ezra didn't just get up and teach. Ezra made sure his heart was right. Ezra made sure that he practiced what he preached. That's what made him a great man. That's the same thing that Paul is saying here. He's saying that an excellent servant takes inventory of his own spiritual life. He's introspective. Not in a morbid kind of sense, but he allows the Spirit of God to examine himself. He is constantly examining his own life in light of the Word of God. There are some people that only examine themselves before the Lord's Supper. That is not right. You are to examine yourself all the time. All the time. Why don't you turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9, Paul is talking about Christian liberty. And you know, it's very easy to get sidetracked in Christian liberty. Very easy to uh, to mistake what we ought to do and say, well, it's 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 just liberty. I don't have to do it. And Paul understood this, and he says in First Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty-four: Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Do you understand? That it's only one who can win. 
Run then in such a way that you may win. And everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. There is discipline involved in the Christian life. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we an imperishable. In other words, an athlete runs to get what? To get a prize. Perishes. If it's a wreath, it's going to perish very quickly. But we, he said, we want a prize that's going to last. Therefore, I run, and now he's saying, using the analogy uh, to speak in the Christian life, I run in such a way as not without aim. I don't, I don't run around in circles. I know where I'm going. I box in such a way as not beating the air. You know what he means? It means that he gives himself, in verse 27, he's going to say he gives himself a black eye. But I buffet my body. I bruise it. And I make it my slave, lest possibly after I've preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. What he's saying is that in his own life, he didn't just preach to others, but he examined himself to make sure that he conformed to his teaching, that he conformed to the truth. Obviously, this is not taking place in a lot of circles with Christian leaders, and that's why you are hearing so much on television and in the media about men who have disqualified themselves from ministry and God's blessing because of sin in their lives, because they are teaching and spouting out things, but they are not examining their life in light of that teaching. See, otherwise, if we don't examine our lives, we become religious technicians. Do you realize that? You could be a Sunday school teacher and just be a religious technician. Look at it, make sure you got it down pat, and then just spout it out on Sunday. Just give it to them. Instead of letting the word of God pass through you, instead of asking yourself after you study or while you're studying, am I obedient to this myself? Have I, have I put this into practice? And you get alone with the Lord and you, you say, Lord, help this to be right in my life. I'm teaching these young people, uh, let's say, how to pray. Is this right in my life? I'm telling them they need to confess their sin. Am I doing that, Lord? Father, I see something in my life that's not right. Would you help me in this area? Or you're teaching about the, the role of a husband, and wife, a husband and wife. Are you obeying that yourself? See, this is the type of thing. You're not just teaching the truth. You're not just concerned about accuracy in your doctrine. You are concerned about accuracy in your own life. But we are also to watch our teaching. It isn't just our life, but it is our teaching as well. That's why he says, be careful Take heed to your teaching. Take heed to your life. Watch your life, Timothy. Watch your teaching. Be careful that you aren't teaching anything false. That means diligent study. Don't be like the false teachers of Ephesus. That's what he's really saying. Don't be like the myth teachers. Make sure that what you're teaching is true. Are you concerned about that? Concerned enough to really have diligent study? Concerned enough to, to have a, a great yearning that you be accurate, that you might double-check what you've, what you've read, that even on Saturday night that you might still be going over some things, not, not necessarily all the time, but that you'd have that spirit that says, let me just make sure that this is right. Let me cross-reference this. Let me make sure that I'm not inconsistent here. Let me make sure that I'm within the context. Let me pick up a commentary and see what the great Bible teachers in the past and present say about this, just to see if... If I'm on track, it doesn't mean that what they say is always on track either. But if everybody feels a certain way and you're the only one who sees it differently, chances are, chances are they might be right. Not always, but it's possible. Be careful about what you teach. You see, this is the word of God. There is a burning conviction in my heart, a driving force in my life 
and that is to be accurate with the Word of God. You know why? Because it is the Word of God. No other reason. It is the Word of God, and one of the things that I struggle with at times is worrying. Yes, and it's sin, but to worry whether I am accurate with this. I remember one time as I was teaching on the book of James, James' letter that I just could not figure out if I was right on this passage. And, uh, and um, I, I was studying it more on Sunday afternoon. I was to teach it Sunday night, and I just couldn't arrive at any conclusion. And I got up and said, we'll study this passage next week, because I'm not sure about what it is. And I taught on something I was convinced about. There must be a concern, not, not a worry, and, and, uh, and that's not right. And, and God is working in my heart about that. But there must be a concern. I'm not always sure where concern ends and worry picks up, but there must be a concern about accuracy because it is the word of God. Don't become sloppy in your study. Don't become lazy. Uh, There are some men who just keep using old messages that they've preached years ago, and that's, that's sloppy, and that's laziness, and be diligent, be diligent. I remember a man saying to me some years ago, well, he said, I assume the more you learn about the Bible, the less you'll have to study it. And I said, no, I think just the contrary. The more I I study the Word of God, the more I want to study the Word of God. The deeper I go in the Word of God, the deeper I want to go in the Word of God. I cannot be satisfied with shallow teaching and especially inaccurate teaching. I must go and, and plunge into the depths of the Word of God. Pastor said to me recently when I we were talking about teaching the Word of God, he said, well, let's never forget that we have to be practical. Now, I know what he was saying, and that's right. You have to be practical. But I I think I know where he's coming from, and I think where he was coming from is the attitude of, look, it's one thing uh, to to study something that was, uh, and teach your people something that was was, uh, written 2,000 years ago, but we have to be up to date. And there is a truth to that. But if you bypass what was written 2,000 years ago, then you bypass the Word of God, and you emphasize your application. Let me put it this way. The Word of God is is more important than my 20th century application of the Word of God. I hope you understand. The Word of God is more important than how I apply the Word of God to you, to my own life. I'm not talking about obeying it. I'm talking about putting it in relevant terms in 20th century terminology. The Word of God is the only Word that is inspired. And if you don't stress accuracy of the Word of God, then you won't have anything to apply If you don't stress the accurate truths of what was written 2,000 years ago, then you will not know if you are properly applying those truths to your 20th century situation. What Paul is saying is an excellent servant has his private world in order, and he has his public teaching in order. If either one is out of order, there is no ministry of excellence. In fact, his ministry is shot. He may be performing in front of people, but it's no ministry. The end of verse 16 says this. And this is, this is the reason, Timothy, that you are to, to do this. This is the reason that you are to be involved in all of this. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Well, let's look. I guess there's a phrase before that. Persevere in these things. Then, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. These are to be the continual sphere of your life and ministry. For the reason being, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Now, that is an interesting phrase. Think about that for a moment. Is 
Paul saying that if you do this, Timothy, you'll be saved and your church will be saved? That's what it looks like. Well, obviously that can't be true. You're not saved by preaching the word of God. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to go to heaven because I teach the word of God. And you are not going to go to heaven just because you listen to me teach the word of God. And you're not going to go to heaven because you know about being an excellent minister. I mean, that will make you effective here, but that will not get you to heaven. What does he mean? Now, most Bible teachers say something like this. They say it, it means that as Timothy continues in these things and teaching these things, he, he perseveres, and thus he proves that he is saved. He proves that he's saved because he perseveres by working out his own salvation and that others who hear him will come to know Christ. In other words, they say, by, Timothy, by your life, you prove your salvation, and by your teaching, you bring others to salvation. Now, that's possible, but that doesn't ring right with me. I tend to think that by salvation, Paul is not referring to eternal salvation, but he's referring to a salvation from demonic teaching. He's referring to a deliverance from the doctrines of demons. After all, isn't that the context? Remember, let's look, at, look back at chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. But the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And he speaks about false teaching. That's the context. And so it seems to me that what he is saying is, Timothy, if you will serve the church by being what you should be and by teaching what they should hear, you will save yourself and the congregation from becoming entangled with doctrines of demons. I think that is right. I think that fits the context. I think that's how he's using the term salvation or saved. You are delivered. If you teach the word, your church will not have a problem with all these heresies. And after all, that's what Timothy was sent there for. What does this mean to us? Well, as you bring it all together, as we serve Christ in troublesome days, days that we are bombarded by Satan at every front, when the church is being assaulted by Satan teaching, Satan's teaching from every side, every side, television, radio, magazines, books, Friends come up to you. People knock on your door. Every area of life we are attacked by Satan. The call is for holy people to teach God's word to the church. That's what chapter 4 is about. God wants holy people, men, women, committed to being holy, committed to the accuracy of the word of God, to teach it to the church of Christ. And the church today needs excellent ministers. It needs you to have a higher standard than what you might ordinarily think of. It needs me. It needs the elders of this church, the leaders of this church, our staff, our deacons, to to be raised to a higher standard and not accept mediocrity and not accept what others are doing. You know, at times when you have to make a decision in the ministry, someone will say, well, this church is doing this or that church is doing that, and really that's not the issue. The issue is, what is the standard of the word of God? The church today needs help and guidance, and it needs direction from Christ. And guess how he gives them his direction? Through his word, but he needs holy people, examples to the flock who have credibility by their lives to teach that word. He gives it through those servants of his who are committed to a spirit of excellency in their ministry. Are you committed to that? Are you committed to these nine marks of being an excellent servant. Is that where you're at? Are you going to be absorbed in these things? 
Or is it just going to be another series that comes and goes? We don't want Lakeside to be just another church. We want it to be a church for the glory of Christ, to whom much is given, much is expected. And now you're, you are expected to have ministries that exemplify excellence, marks of an excellent servant. We are not to be like Winston Churchill, the world revolving around us. No, we're to serve others, lay down our lives for others, because we are serving the church. We are serving Christ, rather, by serving his church, and we must do it, the spirit of excellence, because that's what he's committed to, spirit of excellence. Let's bow for prayer. Father, these are the marks that your word has given. And Father, we are your people. Help us to take heed to our own lives and to what we teach others. We don't want to be hypocrites. We don't want to teach one thing and live another thing. Father, we pray that those who, especially those who are in leadership at Lakeside, will really take these things to heart. That we might watch our lives, not just the outward things, the obvious things that we do, but the inward things, the inward attitudes, the things that we say, the spirit in which we do things and say things. And Father, help us to really be concerned about what we teach, that it would be accurate, it would be practical, it would be relevant, it would be clear. Father, we don't want to dip into to heresy, and I, I really don't think that we are in that much danger here of that, although we want to be careful. But Father, if there's anything I think that we're in danger of, it's, it's sloppy studying, it's laziness. It's taking things for granted. It's pulling out old notes and relying upon them and not being fresh. Not being careful that we exegete and exposit a passage properly. Father, we would ask that you would remind us of these truths. And Lord, for those who are not in leadership, but they serve in other areas, they are involved in a ministry in the church, or perhaps while it's not an official ministry, they are serving others. They are reaching out. They are privately ministering to others. We pray that you'll help them to take to heart these standards for a good servant. That they would be careful about their life. They would be careful about the truths that they communicate. Father, we pray that these things would be a part of our life because we are not only called to be excellent servants, but we are excellent servants of Christ. And dare we represent you, Lord, in any other way other than excellence. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hopefully we're all ministering in some capacity. It might be as seemingly mundane as raising our children right up to pastoring a megachurch. You might be the chairman of the elder board or a volunteer in the nursery. Whatever it is that you do to serve the Lord, that's the ministry he's assigned you to. And it's important whether it feels like it or not. So let's try to serve with excellence, remembering that whatever our ministry is, it's ultimately the Lord that we serve. It was good to have you here today for the conclusion of Pastor Steve Kreloff's series from 1 Timothy chapter 4 about the marks of a good servant. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're looking for a place to worship in or around Clearwater, I'm certain that you'll find solid Bible teaching and a welcoming environment at Lakeside. For more information, visit lakesidechapel.com or call 727-441-1714. 
You can also call that number if you'd like to receive a free audio CD with the entire message Pastor Steve just finished. Ask for message 6135, The Marks of a Good Servant, Part 5. The phone number again is 727-441-1714. By the way, it's been a while since I mentioned this, so let me remind our visually impaired listeners about a special offer. If you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind and want a free audio Bible for your digital player, call 800-838-5924 or visit www.blindbibles.com. That's blindbibles.com or call 800-838-5924. Speaking of free audio, all of our previous broadcasts are available on the Message Archive page at our website, versebyverseradio.org. If you want to, you can go back and catch up on this entire series of messages or choose from any of the hundreds of other audio files listed by topic. And there's a giving page if you've been listening to Verse by Verse and would like to help support this ministry. Your gifts and prayers are vital, and we appreciate your prayerful generosity. If you're more comfortable giving by phone, call Lakeside during business hours at the number I gave earlier, 727-441-1714. This is Jerry Peterson. Today wraps up Pastor Steve Kreloff's series on the marks of a good servant. On our next verse-by-verse, we'll be moving on to a new subject as we continue learning from God's Word, one verse at a time. I hope you can join us. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse by We are here to give you strength between Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.